This episode of Kid Lit These Days is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Safe at home but feeling like you have nothing to read and can't go browse the bookstore? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading preferences and what you're looking for and then sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Hello, and welcome to episode 28 of Kidlit These Days, a Book Riot podcast. At Kidlit These Days, we are your Kidlit connoisseurs, pairing the best of children's literature with what's going on in the world today. I'm Matthew Winner, alongside Nicole Young, and we're here to have conversations that create opportunities for parents, grandparents, teachers, librarians, and all who love children's books to engage in the world through literature in a deeper and broader way. We're recording on April 25th, 2020. How are you, Nicole? I'm doing all right, Matthew. How are you? I'm doing just fine. It's a very <laughs> sunny, sunny day in Maryland after a week of cold. And so I went for my run before chatting with you, and it, it felt good to actually be hot on my run. <laughs> yes. We've had gorgeous weather in, in Louisiana throughout this entire quarantine time, which I think is a, a gift and a curse. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you can go outside, the world is beautiful, but you also can't really get out there and you know be out in the way that you want to be. So, But yes, right. I am doing all right. I hear that. It's it's hard to it's hard to not get out. I mean, well, according to our recent news, you could just like, you know, inject yourself with with <laughs> Lysol and you'll be fine. <laughs> oh no, it's so bad. Matthew, it's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> we will come out of all this with a number of stories to tell <laughs> in November when we do our election episode. So this will be great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ay, ay, ay. Well, we are all being safe at home, but a number of things that happen during nice weather, namely book festivals, mm-hmm. are not happening. They're canceled or they're postponed, uh, or they've taken a different route. So this week we're talking about virtual book festivals and other innovative ways authors and illustrators are connecting with readers. But before we get into that, Nicole, how about we share a sponsor? Sure. This episode is sponsored by Lila and Hadley by Cody Keplinger from Scholastic. Can a lost girl save a found dog? Hadley is angry about a lot of things. Her mom going to jail, moving in with her older sister even though they haven't spoken in five years, leaving her friends and school behind, and she's going blind. Lila is an abandoned dog who spends her days quietly lying around at the local dog rescue. She doesn't listen to directions, play with the other dogs, or show any interest in people until she meets Hadley. Lila and Hadley is an unforgettable story about discovering true friendship, finding home, and the possibilities of forgiveness. Yay. Yay. We talked about that book on our last episode, and I've been thinking about it and how great that um, we get to share it again. Thank you, um, Scholastic, for sponsoring. We um, We finished up in... 
uh, my partner class. I, I'm a school librarian, but um, through our now six weeks of virtual school, mm. I've worked with a partner teacher who I already helped out with at lunch. Um, but now I get to be in their morning meetings and afternoon meetings. And we were talking about, uh, I do their afternoon read aloud. We just finished reading The Wild Robot by Peter Brown. <laughs> we were talking about what to read next. And this book came up as we were also talking about um, rules uh, by Cynthia Lord and Out of My Mind by Sharon Draper. Our students are really craving uh, books like that where they're seeing other children in different ways. Mm. And uh, yeah, cool stuff. Neat that we're talking about reading and exchanging great books while while in this time of, of not getting to do that face-to-face. I like it. Yeah, I've been so impressed by, I mean, we're, and we're going to share some of them now, the, the things that people are doing, both authors and illustrators online, to just keep us connected. And I think we talked about this in our last episode as well. I think there's been such a beautiful innovation and um, and discovery and creation that's happening in this time of quarantine. And I love that it's also happening in the realm of children's literature. Um, and so resources that I am excited about include like every child a reader has created some materials for in advance of Children's Book Week next month. And so they've got activities that you can do um, online on their website um, up in, in different in 12 different languages, I think, are the is the breakdown of all of their materials. So there's like there's resources like that. Authors are doing that's outstanding. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I had no it's idea. Like 12, 12 different languages. So and just like it's little worksheets and workbooks. And I think they have um, sample postcards that you could print out and mail um, just different things like that, which is exciting. It's options. It's stuff you can do or not do. Mm hmm. That's wonderful. You brought up um, read-alouds. We've shared some, and they are in our show notes at bookriot.com slash listen. We've been putting them at the end of every one of our episodes. But uh, one that we haven't mentioned yet from Romper is hashtag Operation Storytime. And I, I share the hashtag because that's what you use to find these resources on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Many, many authors reading aloud their own books or their favorite books, but now also celebrities are reading aloud books. Uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda uh, shared a wonderful read aloud. Uh, so, of um, do you know do you know the book by um, Jorge Lacerra and Megan Lacerra called "Zombies Don't Eat Veggies"? No, <laughs> it's a Lee and Low picture book. It's it was also published in Spanish, but uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda reads that. It's wonderful. But yeah, you just it. look look up hashtag uh, Operation Storytime on uh, whatever social media platform and and all of those have been tagged that way. Right, Right, Right is a series with Jason Reynolds, who is the National Ambassador for Young People's Literature. And he's hosting a video series um, with the hashtag. It's also a hashtag, Right, Right, Right. And it's spelled different ways. So hashtag W-R-I-T-E, R-I-G-H-T, and R-I-T-E. Um, and every episode he gives young people a prompt and talks through how they could write about the prompt. So I think last week's prompt was write to... Um, a 15-year-old version of someone in your family, right? So write a letter to your 15-year-old mom or your 15-year-old grandma or your 15-year-old uncle or whatever. Um, and he, they're just really lovely. They're quick. And he is just he has such a way with young people. And so I would strongly encourage doing those writing prompts, especially for the young writers in your life. There's a number of authors doing really inventive things. One of my favorite graphic novels is El Defo by Cece Bell. Mm-hmm. And Cece did a, a video series walking through sort of the making of El Defo from sketches to ideas to drafts. It was really fascinating. And if you can't catch things live, they just 
you know, they exist now online. Mm-hmm. That's been neat. But I was really impressed in planning for this episode to see that our own friends at Book Riot made sort of a master list of virtual book festivals going on. I had a note to share the um, Let's Get Lit book fest, uh, which uh, has different weeks um, focusing on different um, authors from different ethnic groups. There's an African-American week. There's a Latinx week. There's an LGBTQ plus week. Um, And that had a wonderful setup as well as the uh, group that's bringing us together for the focus of this episode is the Everywhere Book Fest, mm-hmm. uh, which we have a special guest. So why don't I roll us into that guest? Today, we are joined by a co-organizer of, as I said, one such virtual book festival, Christina Soontornvat, author of A Wish in the Dark. Uh, she sat down with me last week to talk about the Everywhere Book Fest. Christina along with Ellen O of We Need Diverse Books uh, and author of Dragon Egg Princess, and uh, Melanie Conklin, author of Every Missing Piece, have assembled an impressive team to offer one and all a virtual book fest with some of the best Kidlit has to offer, and all from the comfort of your home. The festival is taking place May 1st and 2nd, and we'll link to their homepage in our show notes, but I want to emphasize Uh, that every one of their sessions will be recorded and shared online in case you're not able to join live, and it will be up for the next year at least. So That's amazing. Yeah, amazing, right? I love that they're keeping it up for a year. (laughs) I didn't know that. That's incredible. At least a year. And you'll hear Christina say that in our interviews. So, and that and more. So here is Christina Suntornvat. I'm Christina Suntornvat, and I go by she, her, and I am the author of the Diary of an Ice Princess chapter book series and the middle grade novel A Wish in the Dark and the picture book The Blunders, Accounting Catastrophe. And one of my forthcoming books is going to be a book about the Thai cave rescue called All 13, and that will come out in the fall. That might have been what first connected you and I on social media. I don't know. I just know that getting very active, Christina, talking to you about that book and about your research for that book. Yeah, I it's it's very cool to have the arcs just got sent to my house. And so, you know, it's just been a busy time. It's been kind of a a time where every day feels like a year. <laughs> so having the book, having the art, I know you know what I'm talking about. Um, having the arcs come and just like reminding me, oh, go back and look at my pictures and my posts from that time when I went back to Thailand and um, was sharing some of that. And uh, that's been a really nice thing to go back and relive that process because it's, it's such a fantastic book to work on. Well, we're so grateful to have you on Kidlet these days, and we know that you and others have been working really hard to keep awareness alive and to be promoting and supporting others in the Kidlet world through our work online. And then, lo and behold, this thing pops up, which we've mentioned on the podcast before, called the Everywhere Book Fest, that I remember these tweets starting as an idea with you and Ellen O, but... <laughs> Being that we're the the festival is upon us as of posting this podcast episode, can you please describe for everyone listening what is the Everywhere Book Fest? Yes, so it's a free 
virtual book festival, and it's going to bring kids-lit authors and illustrators and readers and educators and independent booksellers, bring everyone together online, no matter where they live in the world. And the festival takes place on May 1st and 2nd, and we're going to have a mix of live and pre-recorded programming. We have 95 kid-lit authors and illustrators. These are exciting, award-winning, best-selling folks. We have Nick Stone and Jean Luen Yang keynoting. There's going to be graphic novel draw-offs and illustrator battles. And we have panels that are going to be really hilarious and silly and fun. And then we have very heartfelt panels that where authors are going to be having really candid conversations about big topics. Um, There will even be some pets. Your friend Karina Yen Glazer and mine (laughs) is going to be on the show. (laughs) And she, and there will be a, it will be a furry friends panel. So you can imagine how amazing that's going to be. And I think it's just going to be really cool and unlike uh, something that you usually get to see at a book festival because you're going to see authors in their homes and they're going to be very informal and um, you're going to get to interact with the live panels in real time. So I think it's going to be really amazing. Yes, and with 95 authors, this really is a properly sized book fest. I would even say larger than what most folks get access to, 95 children's book authors is more than even at the national book fest which i go to every year so that's a that's a big deal big undertaking for all of you you just made me really nervous matthew i was feeling really good and you just said that now i'm really nervous <laughs> we'll just make sure that when everywhere book fest is happening we keep tagging the library of congress so that they can be like oh virtual this is what we shall do this summer <laughs> yeah really really wonderful uh, well, could you could you step back a little bit and tell me what the genesis of this festival was from my memory, I saw you and Ellen O tweeting about it just slightly about, does anyone have interest in this? But I'd like for you to walk me back to where where the idea first started. Well, let me walk you way back to three and a half weeks ago, (laughs) or like four weeks ago, or I don't remember what it was. (laughs) Isn't that isn't that just nuts that it was so it's it really does feel like it's been a year every week. Um, yeah. So Ellen and I were supposed to be on a panel together at a book festival at the Tucson Festival of Books. And of course, it it got canceled. Just every event was getting canceled every day. A new cancellation was popping up. So I sent Ellen a message and I was like, hey, would you want to do something virtual with me? And in my mind, I was thinking, you know, like a Facebook live reading or something like a 15 minute thing. <laughs> And Ellen was like, yeah, I love that idea. And she gets on Twitter and she's like, hey, Twitter, Christina and I want to do a virtual book festival. Who would be interested in that? And it was just like a deluge, like this overwhelming response um, from people about it. You know, I I think at that time, especially people were just reeling, um, feeling like things were spinning out of control and everything was getting canceled and the, the whole world was just changing every minute. Um, so I just feel like there was this big outpouring of interest and warmth about doing something. Uh, so then it became clear that, yeah, this is not going to be just a Facebook Live one-time event. <laughs> um, it's going to be very big. And I learned that I learned this about Ellen O, that when she does something, she does it with a very big heart and very big ideas. So now I know my lesson. 
don't suggest something to her unless you're ready to go really big with it. <laughs> this is for those um, who are unfamiliar with the name. Ellen O is is also the co-founder of We Need Diverse Books, which is a huge nonprofit that works all throughout publishing to center marginalized and and diverse voices. So she she is a, a mover and shaker, no doubt. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, We Need Diverse Books has changed the whole world of, of children's books, I feel. Um, I know I, I owe them so much as a as an author myself coming in um, after they had started doing so much work. You know, I really feel like they made an easier path for me. So, so yeah, it's been an honor to be working with Ellen for sure and the people that she's connected to. You know, Speaking of um, of Ellen and Winnie Diverse Books, the event that I had canceled right th- that will always mark for me when we were going on quarantine, and I think a lot of us will have those those pinpoint connections, is that um, I was to go to the Library of Congress to celebrate um, with Badma Venkatraman for the Bridge Home because it won the Walter Award. Walter Dean oh, Myers Award, yes. which is given on uh, in behalf of Walter Dean Myers, but but with um, We Need Diverse Books. And that was the first event I had canceled. And then instead of going there, our school did a, a school-wide professional day where we prepared to go to a virtual school model. So it strikes me that there was a lot of trauma going on for, for folks, especially in the kidlit world, if we're focusing on that, with um, school events canceled and festivals canceled and, and different launches canceled, book launches canceled. And yet, as we actually talk about on the previous episode of Kidlit These Days, you both stepped in as helpers. We talked in the last episode about Mr. Rogers and his saying that his <laughs> mom always said, look for the helpers, right? And here I'm realizing is, a, is an example of things feeling like they're spinning out of control and and you both are stepping in as helpers. And I, I just want to acknowledge that and, and tell you that I'm grateful to you both and your team for doing that. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, it has been, you know, I don't know what what I would be feeling or how how I would be handling things emotionally if I didn't have something so big outside of myself to work on. You know, we have we have so many goals with the festival of um, drawing attention to like debut authors or authors with spring releases. We really want to help indie booksellers because we know they're hurting a lot right now. But most of all, our focus with the festival is on the readers who are at home, you know, the kids who are stuck at home and teachers who need other additional resources and parents who want to do something with their kids. And so kind of putting the putting the focus outside of my own three feet in front of my own face has been so helpful for me too. Um, and just to work with other people and feel like I'm on a team and I'm and I'm not by myself. That's been amazing. Tell me more about that planning process. How you all in three and a half weeks formed a cohesive festival that included others, but I imagine you can't just say yes to every single person. There must have been guidelines and structures put in place. How 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 did all of that get in place in order to to set you all up for success at the beginning of May? Yeah, I mean, and nothing would be possible without 
the the team that has coalesced around around the festival. Um, we, we have 50 volunteers who are working so hard on it. And you're right, you know, people at the very beginning, a, a lot of people jump up and say they want to help and they want to do things. And then for various reasons, they they can't or, you know, we've had people who are fit were very active. And then all of a sudden, coronavirus has hit their family in some way, and they have had to drop off um, for whatever reason. So that's been that's been a, a different sort of reality than I'm used to doing with organizing events, you know. Um, but I mean, you would not believe the wealth of talent and skills aside from writing <laughs> that is in our our industry in the kid lit field. Uh, our, our other co-director, Melanie Conklin, she, uh, she's also a middle grade author. Um, she used to do product design. So she's like this producer on the team where she's scheduling tasks and volunteers. And she has this multi-tiered calendar with multi-tiers of checklists. And, um, you know, we have folks who are authors, also graphic designers and web designers, other people who are doing PR or they're managing the streaming platform side of things, which is like this whole world that I've been learning about. Um, the timeline is very, very short, but because everyone's taken up the pieces that they know how to do well and then executed on those so well, it's all coming together. It's it's kind of incredible. Um, I would say that and the fact that Ellen, as you know, as a leader um, and the co-founder of We Need Diverse Books, she that that whole part of it comes with this long history and a, a, a large amount of trust in the kidlit community that they trust Ellen and she has a deep network of really amazing people, which has helped. Um, and, you know, she, her network is with diverse creators. Um, and so that's helped the the festival to be very inclusive. So we, our lineup, if you look at our lineup is, is amazing. Um, and that, I think a lot of that has to do with with her connection to We Need Diverse Books and the fact that it was it was a huge goal of ours from the beginning. I think I think you're right. All of the right pieces coming together uh, is so powerful here. What a testament that that we all have different talents. And if trusted to use those talents, like like I'm picturing Melanie being this great infrastructure person, if trusted to use those talents in that way, um, there are almost limitless um, products that can be created, um, limitless potential here for doing good and for taking a model like this and and watching it go further. This, I've not shared this online. I've not shared this with you in particular, Christina, but this reminds me mm-hmm. of, uh, I came up in education when EdCamps, when the EdCamp model was becoming a huge thing, that unconference mm-hmm. model of let's step into a conference and rather than paying all this money and getting all these formal speakers, let's just bring anyone who wants to come, brings their knowledge, and then we provide space for all of that knowledge to be exchanged. The smartest person in the room is the room itself. And I'm seeing what you're doing with Everywhere Book Fest as a similar step, that this is a model that with the thought you all have put into it and the infrastructure you all have put into it can be replicated, um, scaled up, scaled down. And I hope that we start to see that happen in the days and weeks to come, even off quarantine, that this, what you're able to do with Everywhere Book Fest is provide access. And that 
is is more important than any venue you could possibly hold it in is that you're welcoming everyone into this space yeah i um I thank you for saying that. And that's so true about the model of the, the unconference model and the idea that, you know, things sometimes you see big things happening and you're like, oh, the, those were experts that were putting that together. And now I realize, no, it's just people who did it. <laughs> they, they didn't know what they were doing either. <laughs> and they learned they learned as they went and they connected with people who knew what they were doing. And they just they just said they were going to do it. And they just did it. Yeah. So you you know, you really can just do something. Um, yeah, but about, you know, about access the when we first started d- putting the festival together, I, I really didn't realize until we started getting submissions, we got 215 panel submissions um and our panel our proposal window was only open for like a week um so we had and every every submission was so quality it was so hard to decide but when we started getting them and looking through them i was like oh you know this is really cool we we have an opportunity to you know, I had been thinking about, oh, the limitations of being virtual that, oh, you can't be there in person with them. But actually, it opens up so many more things. Like we have a panel, um, a picture book panel, um, and the it's a, a biography about a young woman with disabilities. And the subject of the biography is going to be a part of the panel. So kids are going to get to watch and meet her in her own home and see how she uses her wheelchair Um and she shows them, you know, how she goes about her daily life. And I was like, that that's awesome. My kids are going to love meeting her. And they yeah. m- might never have been able to do that at a regular book festival. Um, we're going to have ASL interpretation on all of our live panels and m- most of our other programming, which I'm really excited about. So I think, you know, when I went into it, I was tr- I was maybe more limited in my mindset. Now I'm like, oh, this is just opening up so many more possibilities than we thought. I think that's awesome. Will, uh, because of copyright law and things like that, I'm not sure that this is even a possibility, but will um, any of these panels be recorded to be able to be shared with folks that aren't able to join you on the days of the events? Oh, yes. And I should have said that before, but yeah, all everything's going to be recorded. Wow. So we have our archive. That's cool. Yes. So even if you miss it live um, and then, of course, we have things that are pre-recorded, so they're not live, but they're going to be unveiled that day. Everything will be online for at least a year. Um, so you can't miss it. That's you, terrific. Yeah, you get to see it all. That's terrific. <laughs> and what again, what a way to provide access. OK, so. I'm ready for this. I can't wait for this. I've already been starting to promote it with not only folks in my circle, but but more importantly, all of my students. I'd love to ask um, from a organizer's perspective what you all hope um, folks will take away from this experience. As a reader, as a parent, as a teacher, as an author, many people wearing many hats are going to attend. What do you hope folks will take away? Yeah, um, well, you know, you know, we know people are just really missing each other right now. Our kids are missing their friends and teachers and librarians are really missing their students. Authors are missing interacting with one another. And I think we're all yearning for that human connection. I think the book industry has a really important part to play right now. As authors, 
uh, what we do is help people feel connected when they're actually by themselves. You know, as an author, my job is to tell a story that brings this whole world, a whole cast of characters to you as a reader and make you feel like you're right there with them. And that's, I think, you know, just a good metaphor for what we want to do with the festival is to bring bring that whole world, bring the connection into your home so that you feel like you're not alone because you're not alone. None of us are alone and we're going to get through this. It's a tough moment in time. But the way we're going to get through it is by connecting and by being there for one another. Thank so you. So that's what that's what I hope. <laughs> thank you, and, <laughs> and thank that's your what you team. do too. Well, we're thank we're all you, Matthew. We're all trying to do our best. We're all trying to be helpers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I I thank you and your team for organizing this book fest. And I guess the last thing for me to say is, I'll see you at the Everywhere Book Fest, Christina. That's Thanks again right. for coming on. Thank you so much, Matthew. Kidlet These Days is sponsored this week by Fun, Fun, Fun World by Yehudi Mercado from Oni Press and Simon & Schuster Books for Young Readers. Conquering a planet is hard, like really hard. (laughs) But when Captain Minky has the idea to conquer the planet of all planets, Earth, his crew sets an intergalactic course few aliens have dared to take. When the Devastorm 5 lands in a defunct amusement park called Fun, Fun, Fun World, It's met by Javi, Earthling and amusement park enthusiast. But Fun 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 World is hiding major secrets. And soon the hopes of planet conquering and park reopening start to feel as far away as outer space. I will add that sentence so much. Planet conquering and park reopening, right? Like those are hand (laughs) in hand. (laughs) I will add if you're unfamiliar with this cartoonist, this is the same person who brought us Sai Fu which is a graphic novel, not only that is on our state graphic novel list, graphic novel award list, the Black Eyed Susan Book Award, but it also uh, is a book that takes place in the 80s, is a mashup of aliens and like 1980s hip hop <laughs> and street art. And it's just like this, this is the greatest thing lighting up my brain. Mm-hmm. So I'm so excited to check out Fun, Fun, Fun World. Yay for comics. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and you and I right? were having such a robust conversation about comics right before we got on this, uh, before we started recording. I love it. Right love before it. it. I know. So I am uh, so excited to roll us into our book talk segment. Again, if you have other books you want to add to our chat, you can use hashtag KidLit these days on social media. Our notes will be at bookriot.com slash listen and find this episode of KidLit these days. If you have other books you want to add, other events you want to share, make sure you email us at KidLit these days at bookriot.com. We love seeing you pop up in our inbox. Today, as a special focus, we want to highlight authors who will be at the Everywhere Book Fest and some of their books, whether we have read them or we want to read them, you know, that's the nature of book fest is that sometimes you're finding out about books that you have not yet read. So Nicole, I'm going to pass it to you and let you start us off. Yeah, sure. And I also wanted to mention that Jason Reynolds, who I talked about in our previous segment, um, he is also scheduled to be at the Everywhere Book Fest. And I think he's doing an 11 a.m. discussion on the first day on May 1st. Yeah, he's um, and then, on one of the panels, too, that I'm going to share later. Okay, as well as we should point out, like, keynoters like Jacqueline Woodson will be there. Yes! Oh, my gosh! Yes. 
The author list for this festival is incredible. And I'm just so excited that they have thought about making it accessible beyond these two days um, for a year or more. I'm just really, I am more than blown away by that. And I love it. As Christina shares, these, the their lineup for the book fest came from all of these different events and festivals being canceled. Mm-hmm. So the submission process was to have folks who had a panel or a, a discussion that was already scheduled resubmit that panel to this festival. So we are, in a sense, patchworking all of these festivals that were going to happen into now one that's accessible by everyone. So beautiful. I just love it. And so the person I'm most excited, she's got a new book coming out, Clarabelle um, Ortega, and her new book is called Ghost Squad. And she's described it as a combination between Stranger Things and Ghostbusters, which are both right up my alley. (laughs) And I think it comes out today, actually, as we're recording, I think it comes out today. Um, But it's about um, Loosely Luna and her best friend, and they cast a spell, and they accidentally wake up malicious spirits. Um, and it's, they are, their family business is ghost busting, right? And so, um, this is a story about them and I'm excited to read it. And, and Clarabelle Ortega is on a panel that sounds amazing. It's called Dinosaurs, Ghosts, and Gods, Oh My. And she's on that panel with Daniel Jose Older and Kwame Mbalia. And it just sounds like a fun panel. It looks like it's going to be exciting. It looks like Ghost Squad is going to be a fun book and I'm excited to read it to dig in. I have another panel that I want to share or another book I want to share that I've been anticipating, but I haven't read yet. Uh, And that is Twins by Varian Johnson and illustrated by Shannon Wright. Now, Varian Johnson is the author of The Parker Inheritance, which is a middle grade novel you might be familiar with. When I was, uh, I was a guest speaker at the Writing Barn, a writing retreat center in Austin, and Varian was there. Varian himself, as it turns out, is a twin. He's writing a graphic novel series about being twins. This is, uh, I learned from IndieBound, the first of a couple of books in the series, which is amazing. And also illustrator Shannon Wright. So all of these things combining are lighting up my brain. Mm -hmm. I know nothing about this book, so I'd like to share, if you don't mind, the summary that was posted on IndieBound just to give us both a a sense. I just know that I'm going to read it because it's Varian's book. The summary goes like this. Maureen and Francine Carter are twins and best friends. They participate in the same clubs, enjoy the same foods, and are partners on all the same projects. But just before the girls start sixth grade, Francine becomes Fran, a girl who wants to join the chorus, run for class president, and dress in fashionable outfits that set her apart from Maureen, a girl who seems happy to share only two classes with her sister. Mm. Maureen and Francine are growing apart, and there's nothing Maureen can do to stop it. Are sisters really forever, or will middle school change things for good? How good does that sound? That sounds great. So Shannon is on a panel, an illustrator panel. If you've ever been to a festival and have had illustrators do like a draw off, (laughs) she's doing a panel called Illustration Fight to the Death. And listen to these folks on this panel. Adam Rex, Juana Martinez Neal, Molly Idol, and Shannon Wright. I was like, oh my word. So that's, yeah, very impressive. Speaking of illustrators, I just, I would love, Vashti Harrison, um, whose illustrations I love, has been doing this um, online series where she's showing people how to do her illustrations over the past many weeks. 
And it is a joy. And I just want to, you know, illustrator fight for the death. It sounds so exciting. And I'm also just want to shout out all the amazing illustrators who've been sharing their craft and their art over uh, over this quarantine time. It's wonderful. I'm going to share uh, another panel with Vashti on it later. She's she's uh, a friend and a, an amazing author and illustrator. We love her Little Leaders series, mm-hmm. as well as um, this year, uh, Hair Love, the picture book that was adapted from the, the animated short that won the Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, one hour, mock Curtis Scott King Award. So yay, Vashti Harrison. Yay, Vashti. Um, books I'm also looking forward to, um, The Land of the Cranes by Aida Salazar, who also wrote The Moon Within, which I've read recently. We talked about on a previous episode, and I love. And I'll also read the description here because I haven't read it yet, but I'm looking forward. Um, nine-year-old Batita knows she is a crane. Poppy has told her the story even before her family fled to Los Angeles to seek refuge from the cartel wars in Mexico. The Aztecs come from a place called Atlan and what is now the Southwest U.S., called the Land of the Cranes. They left Atlan to uh, establish their great city in the center of the universe, Tenochtitlan, um, modern-day Mexico City, and it was prophesized that their people would one day return to the land, live among the cranes in their promised land. And Papi tells Batita that they are cranes that have come home. And I'm just like... That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, <Yes. laughs> so Aida is a part of a panel. It's called Home and Belonging, Migrant Stories in Middle Grade Literature, which I think is incredibly timely, incredibly exciting. Um, and I, I'm definitely, I would love to um, check that out. And then we already talked about Ellen O, who's one of the, um, the co-creators of this Everywhere Book Fest. Um, but she has a new book coming out called The Dragon Egg Princess. And so Jaiho comes from a long line of forest rangers who protect the Kitahara, an ancient mysterious wood that is home to powerful supernatural creatures. But Jaiho wants to do nothing, nothing to do with the dangerous forest. And five years ago, his father walked in to the Kitahara and disappeared. And just like that, Princess Kiko, an only daughter of the kingdom's royal family, um, Jaiho knows better than anyone else the horrors that live deep in the magical forest and how those, uh, those who go will <laughs> never come back. So... Um, this sounds exciting. I'm excited to read this book. I'm actually, I've been hungry for some good new fantasy. I think something about being in quarantine, I like, it's been hard for me to read books that are about everyday life because I feel like I'm living everyday life all the time. And I've been deeply interested in some, some more fantasy. Give me dragons, give me dragon eggs, give me ghost hunters, give me stranger thing meets goats busters. I want all of it. Fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Nicole, I'm not not you know, you don't know that I am listening to the audiobook for the Dragon Egg right now. Are you? And the thing about LNO, if you've read any of LNO's other books, which I have not, because they are scary creepy. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about LNO is that she is fascinating and is a fantastic author. And like Tracy Batiste's The Jumbies series, which I made it barely through the first book and I will read the other two but I get scared so easily and I mean I do like I have a crazy imagination of overactive even more so now that we're at home I'm listening to this book and it's such a great book for me to listen to as I run Um, because similarly to you when I'm listening to realistic fiction it's not giving me the escape that I feel like Mm -hmm. I need for Mm -hmm. some reason realistic fiction for the most part is sort of blending in with like news coverage, my mm-hmm. podcast covering news, which is a weird thing for me to say. So yeah, getting as far away from that seems to be helping. And the dragon, the dragon egg princess is, I'm like an hour in. It's awesome so far. 
So yay for that. (laughs) Well, I wanted to make sure that I gave a shout out to friend of the show, uh, co-founder of this show and good Mm -hmm. friend of mine, Karina Yan Glazer. She will be on a panel uh, called Writing with Furry Friends with one of the co-founders, Melanie Conklin and uh, Jennifer Lee Schatz. And um, in speaking of pointing out books that aren't quite out yet, Karina is the author of the Vanderbeekers series. I have read the first three books in this series. They are phenomenal. And her fourth book, The Vanderbeekers Lost and Found, is coming out. So she, I would assume, would be at a festival promoting it at this point. Um, they they are such tightly written characters. They are uh, kids that are often adventures in this brownstone in New York. Uh, they're hilarious books. The The first book was about a potential eviction from this brownstone um, because the landlord didn't want to like renew the rent. The second book was about saving a a garden, like a a city garden that the kids planted. The third was about pets. And this fourth one, all I know is that it's called lost and found. I know nothing of it, but I can't (laughs) wait for it. Uh, Karina writes a really, really good story. And the audiobooks for her, her Vanderbeeker series are, are wonderful. So uh, definitely make sure if you haven't uh, checked out her books that that you do. And if you want to hear her voice, go back and listen to old episodes of mm-hmm. Kidlit these days. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to highlight Woke, A Young Poet's Call to Justice. It's by Ooh, Mahogany yes! L. Brown. Um, yes! And then there's also um, Elizabeth Acevedo is in there, Olivia Gatwood. Um, but I, so I just am so excited to read this book and also to share it because I have so many young poets, particularly young poets in my life, um, and young young people who are interested in activism. And so this the, the description of this book is, historically poets have been on the forefront of social movements. Woke is a collection of poems by women that reflects the joy and passion in their fight for social justice, tackling topics from discrimination to empathy and acceptance to speaking out. And I just think it's so timely and it's so beautiful. And she, Mahogany, is on a panel at the Everywhere Book Fest that's called You Make a Difference, Activism in Picture Books. And I think she wrote Woke Baby, right? Is that, that's her she did. book. The same um, illustrator too, Theodore, um, Theodore Tyler III, is that his name? Um, and so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to check this book out. There's beautiful poetry in there. The illustrations are gorgeous from what I can see. And um, it just seems like it's going to be inspiring for the next generation. And it I think as we are seeing so many injustices emerge in this this time of coronavirus and this time of pandemic, I think it's so critical that we're thinking about how children's literature can raise the next generation of activists and leaders, people who see trouble in their world and run towards that to help and fix. Um, I'm excited for books that really support growing activists. Theodore Taylor III is the illustrator's name. He does both Woke Baby and Woke A Young People's Call to Justice. Um, Nicole, this week on the on the Children's Book Podcast, I posted my interview with Mahogany. My fourth oh. graders were going to interview her before we went on quarantine. We were all going to interview her together. It's, I think, a really exceptional interview because her book is is outstanding. It talks about intersectionality and allyship and white privilege and confirmation bias. It covers so many different things. And on the recording, on the con- on the interview, she reads her poems, and it's 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 beautiful. So I'll link to that uh, if you're interested, because uh, it's that that book that book's gonna be one of my favorite picture books of the year. It's Yay. exceptional. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. A book I wanted to make sure we I brought up before we closed our time together is by one of my absolute favorite authors. Her name's Jewel Parker Rhodes. She brought us Towers Falling. She brought us um, Ghost Boys. She brought us so many beautiful books. Anyway, her new book is called Black Brother, Black Brother. It's about colorism. It's about two brothers who are different color skin tones, different lightness skin tones in the one uh, who has lighter skin tones passes. Um, and the other one has to confront a lot of, uh, how would you even say it? Like color-based racism? How do yeah, we even colorism. like... Colorism. 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 There you go. Mm-hmm. Well, we, then I've said the word already. Um, when Jewel Parker speaks, I always, I always listen closely. Her stories are powerful. She makes every word count. Um, and in this panel that she's speaking on, oh, this lineup... She's speaking on a panel called Black Voices Matter, and the the panelists are Karen Parsons, who you may remember as Hillary from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, of course I do. <laughs> she, her, have you read her middle grade novel, How High the I Moon? I haven't, actually. How High the Moon? No, it's, it's I'm looking at It's published by right Little now. Brown. Yeah, it's published by Little Brown. It's, it's outstanding. Jason Reynolds is also on that panel. Jewel Parker Rhodes, as I said, is on the panel. And Vashti Harrison's on the panel. It's, it's, that's the one panel I think will that will be the first thing that I watch Mm. uh just it's exceptional this lineup as we said and again everywhere book fest is not the only book festival happening there are many many more check those show notes at bookriot.com slash listen and find that link to the book riot list of all of these other book festivals happening there are so many marginalized voices being centered there are so many readers being centered there are so many topics being centered this is a chance where we all have access so we should not sit on our hands while this access is right in front of us make sure we go out and do go out and 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 disrupt and, and and see what's there well on that note, Nicole, I want to thank you for being a part of this conversation with me today because I, I was so excited to just nerd out over books and, and book folks with you. That was wonderful. Me too. I'm just like really genuinely excited about this lineup and I cannot wait until May 1st and 2nd to check it out. Um, and like you said, there are other opportunities across the internet for really wonderful and engagement with children's literature, but I'm really excited about Everywhere Book Fest. Great. Well, thank you all for listening and for joining us today. As always, we would love your feedback on this podcast, and we always appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. When you do that, you also help other people find us. You can find me, Matthew Winner, at Matthew Winner on Twitter. And you can find me, Nicole Young, on Twitter at IttyBittyNY. If you have a story idea, reach out to us on social media using hashtag KidLitTheseDays, or email us at KidLitTheseDays at BookRiot.com. We would love to hear what you're thinking about and what you'd like to hear on the show. May your coming days be storied, and may the good stories keep on coming.